you know, why should we use our tax dollars that we pay to the county and we pay to locals and school boards for the school board to hire a lobbyist, for the county commission to hire a lobbyist, for the clerks association to hire a lobbyist, for the uh, every single group that we have, they're hiring lobbyists with taxpayer money. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, State Senator Mark Pody joins me to talk about a proposed law that would prevent taxpayer-funded state agencies from lobbying for or against specific pieces of legislation. This is a bill that I think all conservative lawmakers and Republican primary voters should rally behind. Uh, more on that in a moment. First, Mark is the chairman of the Joint Commerce, Labor, Transportation, and Agricultural Committees. He served as vice chair for transportation and safety and energy, agricultural, and natural resources. He's a member of the Joint Judiciary and Government and Government and Operations. That's a lot of ands and government, but I hope you all caught that. Uh, fun facts about Mark, he is a member of the NRA, uh, Gideon's International, and is a private uh, pilot. That means that he can airdrop you a crate of Bibles, or he can shoot you from high altitudes. So be careful with Mark. <laughs> he is married to his wife, Barbara, and they have two children. Mark is, uh, in my humble opinion, one of the members of the Senate who is in the Freedom Caucus. It is not official. I'm not saying it should be official. No one is saying it should be official. It should be official. <laughs> Meaning they actually fight for things they say on the campaign trail, uh, which I'm discovering the longer I'm in this journalism gig, which has only been uh, since October of 2020, does not happen as often as you might think. And it is an honor to have Senator Pody here. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. And Brent, I got to give you a shout out. Do you know there has to be conservatives that go to a place that they can get their news and get the facts unfiltered from the normal news media? that does not report the truth, does not tell us what's going on. So it's only organizations like you that do tell us what is happening. So thank you so much for doing this. Well, I'm making a small fortune doing it. So uh, <laughs> I know you say that tongue in cheek. I'm glad, I'm glad to be not. here. Glad to be here. So before we get into what this bill does, Let's talk about why it's necessary. I don't believe in unnecessary bills, uh, but this one, in my opinion, is long overdue. What are some of the negative impacts you have seen from having state agencies pressuring lawmakers and, legislat and legislators on specific bills or laws at taxpayer expense? You've been there for a while. I've seen some things myself. You've seen, obviously, much, much more. Talk a little bit about that. All right. It's again where government is getting out of their lanes. And by the lanes that I'm gonna to refer to is what is in the constitution. The constitution clearly states that if you're in this branch of government, for example, judiciary, you're supposed to just do what a judiciary does. You're not supposed to create laws. If you're in the executive branch, it is not your obligation to create laws. Your obligation is to uh, put in effect what the laws that have been passed by the state legislature. If you want to be somebody making laws, you don't need to be in the executive branch. You need to be in the legislature. And it seems that the executive branch for many years has now gotten out of their lane of enforcing and implementing the laws that the legislatures passed. And now they think that they need to be the ones making the laws. That is not their role. Their role is to implement clearly what the legislature passes, not to make laws. 
Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. And I felt like that as we were going through our states uh, of emergency that were non-ending. And, you know, recently that big, huge study came out that said, you know, after looking at all the data, we might have been able to save 0.2% of lives, perhaps, meaning that all of the businesses that went out of business, all of the mental issues, all of the health issues that came from missed cancer screenings, heart screenings, uh, all that damage was really for nothing. And I was hoping at some point, maybe about six months into it, that the legislature, if for no other reason than just their wanting their political power back, would have said, okay, wait a minute, well, this has gone on long enough, but that never happened. And so I, I believe the executive branch has gotten way, way out of its lane, and that is at the state and the federal level. What are some specific instances, if you can think of a few, I can think of a few, where you're in there, there's good laws uh, that are better, that are good for the people, maybe good for a district. And then the state agency comes in at the 11th hour because they live up there in, in the Capitol. And they say, oh, no, 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 this is not good. You know, what have you seen in that regard? All right, so let me hit the first comment you made. And that was why we had this ongoing emergency. Uh, there were several of us that were saying, stop this. Let's go back. We are no longer an emergency. The data showed that uh, we were just, us in there for only one reason it seemed to be to collect federal money and and otherwise there was no real reason for us to continue to be in this state of emergency and and so there were several of us that were calling for special session early on saying no stop this but we we couldn't get enough of us to be on board for a long long time before it just drag on and drug on and i'm actually running a bill to try and make that where it won't happen again where we will certainly cut down that authority to hold it emergency. And, you know, my goal was we got a bill that's going to say after 30 days, you have to have legislature oversight and agreement before you can have a continued emergency. Otherwise, the governor can continue just to say, I'm going to do it and just continue to do it every 45 days, every 45 days now, and renew it and renew it without any kind of uh, oversight from the legislature. And I, I think that's wrong. But going back to what's happening on this bill, it says this, uh, for example, I'm running a bill that I believe is going to be protecting our constitutional rights, and that has to do with DCS, um, and that's Department of Child Services. And, and it says that if somebody were, for example, to go through a divorce and the wife or the husband would say, you know, look, my ex or soon-to-be ex is abusing our children, and, and then DCS has to go out and investigate to see if that's true or not. And it could be an absolutely unfounded claim. However, once that claim's on there, they go to court. And one of the things that they can ask is, have you ever been investigated by DCS? They have to say yes. Um, even if there was a totally unfounded claim, even if there was no reason for them to find out their DCS investigators that there was no reason here, it was just an unfounded claim. It's still on the record forever. And, and I, so my bill says, that if it's an unfounded claim that after 90 days, it should be expunged, just gone as if it never, never happened. Because it's gonna be affecting the opportunity they were to go for a job interview, if they wanted to get adoption, if they wanted to have foster children, it's gonna show on their record. And DCS says, well, it won't show everywhere. We're just gonna kind of keep that private. But I'm saying expunge it, you don't need it. You are innocent until proven guilty. And, and DCS has their lobbyists now coming down to not only say they're against it, they're going and they're going to lobby my colleagues and say, this is a bad bill. We don't want it. We should be able to keep people's record. And that happens all the time with departments coming in and saying, you know, we believe that this is a better law than what you as a legislature are going to propose. 
That's not their role. Their role in the department is to give us information and help us with what is going on, not correct the legislation. Well, I absolutely agree with that. And I remember I was watching, I think it was, um, we had a really good piece of uh, vaccine legislation that Janice Bowling was running, which later we ended up just passing. We had to suffer through 18 months of stupidity you know, for people like not seeing that this ship was sailing and, you know, UT Knoxville rolls in, Farrell Hale's like, well, let's, let's, let's put this off and forever because some, some people from UTK came in, a bunch of lawyers and lobbyists. And it was like a, it, it was like he hadn't even read the thing. Somebody asked him a question. He's like, oh, uh, are, the, are, the, are the lobbyists for the state agencies around? And yeah. I'm like, why, 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 why do the lobbyists for state agencies get to pick what happens with people's medical freedom? Um, we, I mean, aren't you there to serve your constituency, not the lobbyists from state agencies? And I, I could go on with five or six other examples I've seen where some state agency shows up, there's a good piece of legislation, and then just because they're in the ear, I guess, all the time, I'm not sure. It's very strange. Go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and hit that red support button. When you do that, we will send you a proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. Also, we will send you a Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker, a directory of your state uh, officials in the House and the Senate, that puppy right there. And if you should give $50 or more, you will get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Um, so we re recently ran an article uh, that revealed special interests spend roughly $60 million a year to curry favor with only 132 legislators. Now, not all that state agency money, but that's $451,000 per member. How hard is it for a legislator, just in your opinion, uh, to stand up for their district when there's so much PAC money, face-to-face -face pressure, events, gifts, perks, coming from these corporate and government interest groups? And, I mean, people used to say it was, it was corrupt in politics. And I always thought that was kind of a tin hat thing. And I've always thought that was kind of an extremist thing. And now that I've had to report on it and actually follow it more closely than I did when I was on a campaign trail, like I'm beginning to think that that is actually the case. I've not seen any evidence to the contrary. What is it like up there for when, when you've got something that's good for your constituency here, and then you've got all this special interest um, money and, and pushback going? How do you stand strong against that? Because so many don't. And you're exactly right. And, and they do have an influence. Uh, I'm not going to say that they don't. They absolutely do have an influence. Uh, one good example is they have people that are down there and they're down there every single day that you're there. So we're, if I'm a constituent and I'm working and I'm working every single day, I can't be at the Capitol every day to uh, express my views. I'm out earning a living, preparing and protecting my family and, and providing for them. But if I'm a lobbyist, I can be there Monday through Thursday and find a way to get to that legislature. Now, there's a lot of times that they're good because we do need information and they can be a good source of information. However, they can definitely overstep their bounds. Now, I have a companion bill that's running against, uh, with the, for example, I've got one that says, this is for state agencies. I have one against local governments as well. You know, why should we use our tax dollars that we pay to the county and we pay to locals and school boards for the school board to hire a lobbyist, for the county commission to hire a lobbyist, for the clerks association to hire a lobbyist, for the uh, every single group that we have, they're hiring lobbyists with taxpayer money to lobby against or tell us what we think that uh, they want. I want the information that they have, but I certainly don't want them lobbying for or against our bills. Again, we're the ones that are supposed to be out there. And I can tell you a prime example of what's going on right now. 
I have a bill and it is probably one of the easiest bills that the people like and I'm having trouble with it. And it says this, if I go in to get a license plate, right now we got to renew it every single year. So all of our citizens have to go in every year to get a license plate. However, my bill says if I want one to get it every other year so I can buy a two-year license plate, I should have that choice. So if I want to go in for one year, I get it one year. If I want to go in for two years, I, I can just pay double the money and I get a two-year license plate. It saves me the hassle of having to do something every year. A lot of other states have this and so forth. But the clerks group, our county clerks, have hired a lobbyist and they're going around and saying, it might be too much trouble. We don't know how it'll work. And they're stopping the bill. They're literally lobbying every single uh, person down there on the committees to say, this is not a good idea. And they're using excuses. One of them is saying, well, that's how people will know if they have insurance or not. So I went to the Department of Safety and said, do you use this information to find out if that person has insurance? They said, no, we get it from a different way. Uh, but I said, what about addresses? And they said, you know, if we needed that, we just have eight year driver's license right now. So we don't use that to get ours. So why can't we do that to make it easier for the citizens? And then for the clerks to hire lobbyists to come down there with our money to keep something of a simple choice away from us makes no sense to me. Well, you're absolutely right. And uh, we had the same situation where we had school choice uh, taken away from Hamilton County uh, because we had a, a couple of folks that are not very conservative um, in county and the schools here. They hired a lobbyist and sent somebody up there too to say, hey, we don't want these kids to have a chance to get out of failing schools. The money might follow them. We might lose a little bit of money. It's all about the kids. Uh, and until there's a dollar attached to the kid, and then it's all about the money. With money just all, <laughs> might have just been all about the money to begin with. But uh, I'm just saying. And uh, so I've seen this. And so this is a fantastic bill. Uh, we will send out a call to action along uh, with this as well. So if somebody is watching this, sure. um, and if somebody wants to voice their support for this bill, uh, knowing that knowing that as they send their emails and make their phone calls, that taxpayer lobbyists will probably be up there, uh, you know, saying that that everything that that the constituents are saying is foolish, even though they derive their income from the tax dollars. Uh, where would they send this message? Who would they call? Who would they contact? What committees? What timetable? All right. So the two the two bills that we're working on, one for the uh, state lobbyists and one for the county lobbyists are both taxpayer monies. Uh, they need to contact their state legislator, their, their House member and their senator, and say that these, they want the lobbyists not to be paid for by taxpayer money. And, and each of these groups, we know which bills they are, but you know the Senate Bill 2687 and 2275 are the two Senate bills. But just tell your legislators, you do not want taxpayer money being paid for lobbyists to lobby against us. They're, they're lobbying against us as citizens and they're using our own money against us. And that's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. But in what committees is that gonna be heard in again? All right, so it'll go to, I believe state and local is, is gonna be the committees that'll be in. And we've got, it, we've got to let it get through these committees. So anything that we can do to, to get it, right now we don't have the votes to get it. And, and I don't think we have the votes in either the House or the Senate to get them through committees. Now, Robin Smith is working on the one in the House and Todd Warner is working on the other one in the House as well. So we got two different, two different bills doing the same thing, stopping state payer, taxpayer money from lobbying against us. It is amazing with the Republican supermajority, 
that lobbying at taxpayer expense would be controversial. And yes. there's this huge disconnect. And I'm seeing it more and more again. But it's like you've got conservatism here, you've got corporatism, you've got statism, then all the stuff that that's on the campaign trail is conservatism. And then when they, as soon as it's almost like you enter into this little bubble in Nashville and it's corporatism and it's statism. And it's very, I, I go to speak to these conservative groups and uh, they want, they want me to tell them like some good stuff. And there is some good stuff that it's almost like it, it goes through a big filter every session and like a handful of conservative things get out, but a lot of often case things are more things are killed than get out. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to see if we can, at least let them know that we're watching. And so if they agree that lobbyists at taxpayer expense is a great thing, uh, then we can have them on record saying it. And that's a good thing right before an election. Uh, are there any other pieces of legislation that you feel our subscribers should be paying attention to? And we've mentioned right. two good ones right now. All right. there's, there's two other comments I want to make, okay? The, the first one is uh, something that's being touted as really good. And I, I'm going to flat tell you, as a conservative, as a fiscal person that I'm looking at, one year ago in February, we were given a budget. And this is documented, it's public record. We were given a budget of $42 billion. One year later, this February, we were given the same budget document by the same person, and it is 52 billion. If we think that we go from 42 billion to 52 billion, that is a 25% increase. And our state budget, and we call that conservative, it's wrong. We need to return some of this money back to the taxpayers. We have this money. We don't need new programs. This is not the time for us to start these. This money, a lot of it needs to go back to the taxpayers. We put only $50 million into the rainy day fund. And I'm going to tell you, with record surpluses, and we put the absolute minimum into the rainy day fund that we can do is, is a horrible black eye on us if this budget goes through. I'm very blunt, I would not vote for this budget. I cannot in good conscience say that we are gonna be a conservative state, conservative legislature, if we can do a 25% increase in the budget. Now we can hear people say, well, we have more money came in, more money from the feds, more money, whatever. So this extra money, let's give it back to the taxpayers. Let's give it back to some of the rainy day fund. Let's shore up some of the things we have without new programs, without new reoccurring expenses. We're not going to be in these kind of times where we're always getting these kind of surpluses all the time. Let's be fiscally responsible and do what's right. I think you're absolutely right, because what will happen is if Joe Biden's economy keeps going, we everybody has lived through this. Like it's been 2008 since we've had a real good humdinger of a recession. That's a long time ago now. And here we are with all this inflation, with all these inflated property values, with everything that should be like, you know, if you've paid any attention over time, now is a good time to like save up some money in case something bad happens. And so what happens is if you spend all this money now and then the tax revenues take a take a dump, then then everybody's going to nobody, no government employee is going to lose their job. It's going to either go through debt or higher taxes. And if we can do it now while we have the money to make sure we never have to endure that, I'm with you. That's the thing you do in your house. If it's good for your house, it's good for your government. Yep. Yep. So, so that, that's one thing. The other thing is I do have a Senate Bill 2276, and this is patients' rights. This is probably one of the key pieces of legislation pieces that I'm putting through this year. It says this, uh, that as a patient, if you have a loved one 
that goes in the hospital, they have certain rights. And unfortunately, we've heard too many cases where people have gone to the hospital and the hospital has said, well, we are not going to let anybody in to visit them. We're gonna decide what the treatment is. We know best and they're not getting the treatment that they want. They're not getting the medicines they want. And a good example would be somebody going in and they want ivermectin and they say, this is what I want. But uh, so-called medical experts are gonna say, you don't know what you need, we know better, and we're gonna give you what we think is right. Unfortunately, they make a whole lot more money with the programs that the federal government will give them on those kind of treatment programs, but people have died without their loved ones in the hospital with them. People have died without saying, this is the choice of treatment that I want, and that's gotta stop. That is absolutely wrong. And I, I will tell you this, if I want my taxes done, I can hire a CPA, any CPA I want, but it's up to me to make those decisions if I want to follow that advice or not. If I want to go and hire an attorney, it's up to me. It's my life that's on trial, and I make the decision of what is best for me in, in a courtroom. If I go in any other area just like that, it's up to me that's going to be make that decision responsible for it. But in healthcare, it's changing that we believe that uh, people in the hospital, people in the government, people in insurance companies know what's better for me, my very life, and the life of my loved ones than myself. Nobody's got a bigger stake on it than me, and we've got to protect those rights. We've got to protect it against government. I'm the one that should make the decisions for my own health and the health of my loved ones. If I'm in the hospital, I want my wife making decisions for me, not some doctor I don't know, not some hospital, not some protocol from CDC. I want my own personal doctor who I know and trust. I want my family making these decisions, not somebody else. I 100% agree, and it's been terrible. Um, I got tons of emails, calls, just because we run a conservative news publication and, and we'll actually print the truth about some of these things that, that now we know are commonly known facts about all this mess we've been through that were fact-checked six months ago as being fake that are now reality, and it's, that has happened over and over again in many of these cases uh, with, with different preventative treatments that we now know to be true and other things that they used to recommend and jump up and down. This is the only way to save somebody with this ailment, which actually turned out to, in many cases, kill them. Yes. And, and here we are. Uh, I get all these emails and calls from people that are like, my dad's in the hospital, and we know that this isn't working but they won't do anything. And not only that, I can't go see them. And we've got this little uh, medical tyranny group of lobbyists up there. Uh, and of that, of that huge um, 60 million that is spent every year, I don't know that about a third of it's not medical lobbyists because they're so intertwined with the government. And, and they really want what's in their corporate interests. They do not want what's in our uh, constituent interests. And a case in point is my wife and I had a home birth uh, two kids, right? One at the house, one at a little at somebody else's house, because it's against state law to have a home birth center next to a hospital because they're afraid they'll lose the money. Even though the statistics are that the kids come out healthier and with less mortality when it's done at home than when it's done in the hospital. It's all about the kids, right? Unless there's some money attached to the kids from cradle to grave. And That's so exactly I appreciate right. you standing up for this stuff, Mark. It's tough up there. It's easy to go up there and go along and get along. Uh, and so when you got somebody like you and a few others uh, that really fight for this stuff, I know that it is it is challenging to be up there and to do what's right when you're in this fraternity of let's do what's easy. Let's do what makes a little money. Let's do what makes it easier to not have to raise money back in the district by taking all this PAC money. Uh, I just appreciate what you do up there, buddy. All right. And thank you. And again, thank you for uh, 
bringing this to light to, on a regular basis. You're getting the news that's out there and it is not filtered. You, you research and you tell the truth. So I appreciate what you do. Well, you're very kind. We do our best. We, we make a mistake now and then. Occasionally we may, you know, we're in our zeal uh, to, to make conservative things happen. We may occasionally uh, gild the lily a, a little bit so people read some things and actually take some action, but that is part of journalism. Uh, you've been kind with your time. I'll give you the last word. I, I'm going to just tell you to all the citizens of Tennessee, don't give up, but we want to fight for what's constitutional. And it seems every single year we are sh shifting a little bit more away from who we are, uh, of our constitutionalists into more and more socialists. Government does not need to grow. Government is not the answer for every single problem. It is our responsibility and it's up to us to make sure that we keep in check. Thank you for what you do and we need your voice. All right, Mark, I appreciate you. It's an honor. I hope to uh, talk to you again soon. If you want more stories and interviews like this, please go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com. Follow us on social media and also anywhere you get your podcast, just type in Tennessee Conservative and uh, you don't have to look at this ugly face. You can just listen to this nasally voice. I don't know which is worse, but you can get it there. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off.